Good morning. Are you excited to be here this morning? Yes. All right. There were some faces over here that were completely frozen and they did not move whatsoever. That's all right, though. That's all right. This morning's title, Where Are You Looking? And before we get started in this, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we bow ourselves to you. Father, I'm asking that, um, that this morning that your spirit would be heard, that, Lord, that we would be faithful in obedience, Lord, that we would um, be ready to receive a blessing this morning, and we'd be looking forward to hearing your word and applying it to our lives, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 24. And that says verse 5. Let's just start in verse 1. Luke 24, verse 1. And a little disclaimer, after I, after I wrote this sermon, I looked at it, and I looked at it again, and I thought, oh no, I've written an Easter sermon. Um, so what I'll probably do at the end of service is file this away and take it with me to Ohio, and then, because they're not going to know about this one. Some of us might, but reuse it. That's fine. Recycle. There in verse 1, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Um, it's funny how we get things turned around sometimes. Um, my wife and I, we, we've recently, we've started, we've attempted to start, I should say, um, eating clean. Yeah, some of you chuckle, you're like, yeah, look at that guy, he's not gonna. And um, we've done, it, it's the paleo, right? So it's, it's anything like, that a caveman would eat is what I've heard. I call it the dirt diet. It's the dirt diet. You're just eating stuff that's, that's fresh. And um, man, I've been feeling good with it and everything. According to the scale, I've lost five pounds. I don't see it on the front, so I assume it's, it's all back fat. Like I've lost, <laughs> lost some back weight there. Um, no one's complimented my back, but they just haven't noticed yet. <clears throat> So we're like a week into it, right? And we're, we're eating pretty good. Um, we make an exception on bacon because you have to do that with any diet. You have to make an exception with bacon. Daniel, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, I tried to make an exception with ice cream the other night. And that was not good. My, I ate it and my body was like, oh no, you... If my stomach were Mexican, it said, no me gusta, after I ate that. And that, that kind of got me, because I was preparing for the sermon, I was eating some ice cream, and I kind of thought, you know what, I've been getting all these good nutrients from all this healthy food that we've been eating, and then I'm trying to get nutrients from fatty, bad ice cream. Why are you looking for life in a place full of death? Body said, no good. And we don't need to go into any further details with that. <laughs> Needless to say, sometimes the things that we 
are investing in, sometimes the things that we are pouring our lives, that we're pouring our time, our energies into, aren't always going to give us the results that we're wanting. Right? Amen? Anyone ever experience that? Man, there's a funeral going on this morning that I do not, I am unaware of. Sometimes the places that we are looking aren't going to yield the things that we're looking for. You're getting a little bit closer. There we go. Now I know what Rob was going through last week. <laughs> Big question. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? And we could rephrase it and we could repurpose this and apply it to a lot of different areas in our life. Why are you looking for life in a place of death? Why are you looking for acceptance among a crowd of people that only seek to ridicule you and bring you down? Why are you searching for love in people who are completely self-absorbed? Why are you looking for life in a place of death? And we see this day in and day out. I see this a lot with youth ministry, working with teens very closely. You see that they're looking, they're searching for something, right? They, they, want, they want to fill that void. They want something to make them feel alive. And it's the same thing with adults. They're just getting started in it. As adults, we have a tendency to throw entire lives away in the search of feeling alive. And probably the greatest risk to the Christian life isn't that we're going to lose our life. It's that, more importantly, we are going to waste our lives. Amen? Amen. All right, we're getting there. We're getting there. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? I've seen teenagers, I've seen adults go time and time again back to the drug lifestyle because they're trying to feel alive. They're trying to, trying to get through something. They're trying to experience something. They want that life. They want that feeling. They want to feel like they're something, that they're somebody, that they're recognized. But what they're doing is they're searching in a dead place for something that's a lot, and you're never going to find it. You're never going to find it. You can keep searching there. You can keep searching in all the tombs that you want. You can keep looking in all the graves that you want, but you're not going to find someone that's alive there. You could take a five-year-old to a cemetery and tell them that you're looking for someone alive, and they would ask you the same thing that these men that were standing there, these angels, said, well, why are you looking at this place? Why are you looking in a cemetery for someone that's alive? We have a void in our lives. We all have this void, and, and I think we, we allow this void to get bigger and smaller. I know there was a huge void in my life as a teenager before I accepted Christ. I would lay there awake at night in my bed, and I would just think, what is it like after I die? And I, I had different moments in my life where I thought about suicide, and I thought, you know what, maybe suicide would set a lot of things right, but it, it wasn't the answer, and I was still looking. What is the solution? How do I get out of this emptiness? How do I fix this? Because I understood that there was something fundamentally wrong with me. This can't be all that life is about. This can't be it. I get up in the morning. I came from a single parent home, so a lot of times I was by myself at my house. So get up in the morning, by myself, make myself breakfast, go to school, come back from school, be by myself a little bit longer. And maybe, maybe it was a loneliness that, that got me thinking about this a lot. I thought, there has to be more. I cannot, I cannot bear 
being alone all the time. There has to be more to life than this. This is so miserable. I have this emptiness. I need it to be fixed. And I started looking. Question, where are you looking? I started looking. I made some friends. Those friends introduced me to drugs. I was at parties. I was around drinking. I was looking for life where life didn't exist. And this group of people that I was with were convinced that if they just kept going further, if they just kept progressing, that they would feel alive. They were getting glimpses of it, but it was in the complete wrong place. They were in the tomb, but they weren't experiencing life. Amen? Amen. Man, we're getting there. We're willing to pursue the tomb so much that we begin to ignore all rationale. We want to feel alive, but we're not looking in the right places. We're not asking the right questions. We're not talking to the right people. A lot of people have different opinions on the Bible. You notice that? Especially if you're on Facebook, you see all sorts of crazy things get posted on there. How many of you have ever seen the, uh, you know, click like if you, if you love Jesus, but keep scrolling if you love the devil? Maybe. Shame on you if you repost that thing. That is so silly. We can pursue so much, so often, in the wrong things. We're looking in the wrong places, that we're looking for the wrong stuff. We're taking the wrong advice. We're asking the wrong questions, talking to the wrong people. That that becomes part of us. It's not temporary anymore, but it becomes part of us. It's who we are. I'm somebody that's at the tomb. I'm not somebody that's alive. I'm not living. I'm part of the dead because I hang out here in the tomb. I've been pursuing the tomb so much that I haven't become alive. I've been looking for life in the wrong places for so long that I'm no longer aware of where to find life. We're trying to fill the void in us so much that we miss out on the one person that can do that, Jesus Christ. You ever lost a good day because you were worried about something? Let me rephrase that. You ever lost a good day because you were worried about something that was completely out of your control that was going to happen the next day? Anyone ever done that? It was a little confusing how I phrased that. Yeah. As a, as a kid, I hated Sundays. Someone gasped. They're like, oh, he's a preacher. He hates Sundays. I hated Sundays as a kid. And here's why. I disliked school so much, and school started on Monday. I hated school so much that Monday tainted my Sunday. Because I had to go to bed early on Sunday. I hated Sundays. Friday, excellent. Love Friday. Saturday, love Saturday. Sunday, ugh. And I would throw away my Sundays just because I was dreading going to school the next day. I hated it so much. And we do that. We let worry. We let the wrong things take over us. Things that, that are completely out of our control completely distant from us, we let those take the good days that we have. And often enough, if we let it continue to happen, we no longer find that we have good days, we just have bad days. Because the worry overwhelms, we let it leak into something else. I had no control over school. I could fake being sick, you know, a couple days, and mom would let me miss school, but sooner or later she was gonna whoop me and make me go back to school eventually. It was out of my control. Had to go. It was going to happen. No control on my part, but because I hated it so much, I allowed it to ruin a good day for me. 
When we have that happen, we, we start focusing so much on the negativity, so much on what people are saying, the bad things that are going on. We look at so much with the glass being half empty rather than half full that it ruins us. And it, it takes away, it deprives any sort of joy that you would have otherwise. This morning, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, kind of taking that back, if you will. The world we live in is a world full of quick, flimsy, silly solutions. Amen? And, that, and part of that is because we're people like that. We want, we want the solution, and we want it now, and we want it to fix it, and we don't ever want to have to deal with the problem ever again, right? That's how we are. Come on, be honest. The thing with them, solutions, is there are a million places to find them. There's a million tombs that you can go to, and you can find quick, flimsy solutions. But if you want a strong, if you want a long-lasting solution, you're going to have to search in the right places. You're in the church this morning, so good job. You've taken a good step this morning, amen? Amen. Almost. You're in church this morning. You've taken a good step in life, right? Amen? Amen. All right, there we go. I have three R's for you this morning. Request, remember, and rejoice. Thank God for good friends. Anyone say amen to that? Thank God for good friends. All right. Over the years, I've noticed that um, that I've been drawn more to um, friends that are how should we say, blunt and honest? Like, I enjoy that more. And, and as, I've, as I was thinking about this last night, we have had a lot of friends over the years that are just brutally honest. And I guess that's what, I guess that's what my wife and I are drawn to, are couples that are just going to tell you how it is and not give you any fluff. And thank God for that. And, and as, we're, as we're preparing for our church in, in Ohio, and I've contacted several, uh, several buddies that are in the ministry, I've contacted the ones that have been brutally honest with me before. One of them happens to be my roommate. He's, he's an uh, administrative pastor at a church. And if your roommate can't tell you the truth, who is, right? Because, I mean, he's been there. He's seen everything, right? Come on. You live with somebody. You know how they are. You know how they act. And he'll call me on it. I have another good friend. That's just his attitude. He's a mean, short, bald little guy. And he's mean. And he'll tell me how it is, right? Molly knows who I'm talking about. Tattooed up, he's, he's burly, but he'll tell me how it is. So I'm contacting these guys and I'm saying, hey, listen, I'm trying to get an accountability team together and I cannot think of any people that'd be better than you two. And I have a couple other guys I'm, I'm gonna contact and talk to, but you two, I want you definitely on there because you're, you're gonna be after me. You're going to be pursuing me. And that's what I need in my life. And I think that's what everybody needs in their life is somebody that's going to be honest with you. Someone that's going to keep you in step. Somebody that's going to keep you accountable. Thank God for the people that have kept me accountable in my life. That have stepped up when I was straying. When I was looking in dead places for life. Because it happens. You don't, you don't find life. You don't find Jesus. And then everything is perfect from there on out. Right? Like, life does not get honky-dory after that. If anything, 
it gets a little tougher because you're trying to live in a righteous, holy manner, hopefully, in a world that is set completely against that. And there are times that I'm going to stray, that I'm going to wonder if I'm completely honest. And if we're completely honest this morning, I'm going to have times where I'm struggling, where I'm dealing with stuff, and I need people to keep me accountable. I need a structure set up there that'll keep me focused, that'll keep me on point. You want a strong, lasting solution? You're going to have to look in the right places. You're going to have to look in the right people to help you stay there. You're going to even have to look in the right churches. Thank God we have one this morning, right? All right. Love, 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 direct people, love people that are honest with me. I mean, I like people that are like just going to compliment me all the time, but there's no growth there, right? I mean, they'll be nice to me day in and day out, but I'm never going to experience any growth. I'm never going to become better as a Christian. I'm never going to better myself and my faith unless I have people saying, hey, look, you're messing up here. You need to stay on point with this. <clears throat> Verse 4 in, uh, in chapter 24 there, we read it. Let's read it again. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel and asked, why do you seek the living among the dead? Verse 4 says that they were perplexed. If you don't know what that means, they were confused. They had a look of confusion on their face. And if let, let's try to imagine this to the best of our ability in these days, since we cannot physically go to Jerusalem and look at the, at the tomb where Jesus was laying. But imagine you went to Uncle Ted's funeral. I'm sorry if you have Uncle Ted this morning, and he's passed. Imagine if you went to Uncle Ted's funeral, right, and you're bringing in flowers, you're getting it all set up, getting the arrangement looking nice. One problem, Uncle Ted's not in the casket. You're going to be a little confused, right? You're a little um, guy in the back's not doing his job. Uncle's not in here. We need to fix this, right? These women got there to the tomb. Bear in mind, just days ago, they had seen the very, very brutal death of Jesus as he was hung up on the cross. They had just watched this. They had just watched him breathe his last breath of life. It's very likely they were there when the guard plunged the spear into him to double check to make sure that he had passed. They had seen the death. Now as they arrived at the tomb, the stones moved away and it's empty. Confused, confused beyond reason. They were confused, they were shocked, the empty tomb was there and the angels, I'm guessing by looking at their faces, said, all right, we're gonna have to explain some things here. First of all, ladies, why are you looking for someone living in the place of the dead? Catching them off guard. And in verse uh, six, and 6 through 8 there, let's read that. These are the angels still speaking to the women. They say, he is not here. He has risen. Remember, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucify on the, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. 
Your first thing that you're gonna have to do is request. That's the first one of our R's. Now, these women, they were confused and I, I imagine that their faces showed so much confusion that the angels just went ahead and, and started explaining things. Even though Jesus had explained it to them time and time again, the angels explained it one more time to them. What we're gonna have to do is begin requesting, talking to the right people, going to the right places. Listen, if you, if you want life, you're gonna have to talk to the right people. You're gonna have to talk to God. You're gonna have to go to the right places. And I, I've met many people that are, well, I'm just not a, I'm not a church guy. Not, I just, I'd rather stay at home and kind of do church there by myself. Anyone ever met, don't raise your hand or anything, but we're all thinking of somebody, right? That we've met like that. I'd just rather stay at home and I kind of do my own church. That's fine. Like that's, that's, that's okay. Who's going to pray for you? Like, who's, when you, when you get sick, who's going to pray for you? Who's going to come visit you in the hospital? When your kid starts getting in trouble, Who's going to be there to help, help counsel you? Come on. Study the word at your house, but come on. The body of believers is here for a reason. Take advantage of it. God put this structure in place for a very, very good reason so that we can rely upon each other. It's not a do-it-yourself sort of thing. It's do it together. That's why I've been so thankful to be part of Orchardville Church. I knew from the day I walked in here, I love this church. I wanted to be part of it. And here I am. They let me speak now. <laughs> it's always a gamble, right? First R, request. The men that were standing there, the angels that were standing there, said twice, remember you're going to have to remember these women that arrived at the tomb. Remember what Jesus told you. Remember what he had talked to you about before all this happened. You're going to have to remember. That's our second R. You're going to have to remember these women, they were there because they had forgotten. They had forgotten the promise. They had forgotten what Jesus had said about having to die and then he would come back. They had forgotten that he had made that statement. So remember that God is close and desires to be either, even closer, ever closer to you. I combined those two words just now. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10 real quick. I'm going to read a quick piece of uh, scripture there. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. This is Jesus speaking here, talking to his disciples. He said, are not two spare... Or, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. To everyone, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. You are important. You might not feel like somebody. You might not feel very important at all. You might not feel very important in your house at your job, within your family, in your neighborhood, at your school, with the people that you hang out with, you might not feel very important, but to God, you are somebody. 
He's talking about sparrows there. He says, they're a dime a dozen. And God knows about every one of them. Not one of them falls to the ground without him knowing. He knows the numbers of hair on your head. How important are you? You're way more important than sparrows. He cares far, far more for you. We do not serve an abstract God. We do not serve a distant God. We serve a God who intimately knows us, knows everything about us, knows more about us than ourselves. And despite that, and thank God for this, in spite knowing everything about us, in spite knowing everything about me, he still looks at me and says, that is Logan, I love him. Despite knowing everything about you, I know them, I love them. I struggle with forgiving people sometimes, but, but I always remember what, what my pastor told me years ago when I was a teenager, and this has helped me so much. He said, Logan, I don't know everything about that person, but God does, and he chose to forgive them. So who am I to hold a grudge against them? And that is something that, that I, I've carried with me through my adult life, that I don't know everything about that person. God does, and he forgave them anyway. We're going to have to remember the promises that God made us. We're going to have to request by looking in the right places. Where are you looking at? Request it. Go to the right places. You're hurting. You need support. You need help. Right here in the church, the body of believers right here. You're going to have to remember too. They had forgotten. You're going to have to remember. There's... And I could go through and we could list promise after promise that God has given in the Bible, but you're going to have to request in the right places. The church is a good spot. Prayer is an excellent spot, but right here is a really good spot. If you're requesting, you're looking for something, right here is the best place you're going to be. Amen? Yeah. Oh, man. Almost. Held up a Bible and you're like, yeah, it's, it's good. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. You don't have to go there. There's a promise. He'll never leave nor forsake us. God has plans to prosper us and to give us a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jesus promised rest in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. He promised abundant life. John 10, verse 10. He promised eternal life. John 4, verse 14. There are probably hundreds of promises in here. I don't know, because I haven't looked them all up and made a list of all of them. But every time I read the Bible, every time I open up the Scripture, I see a new promise. And what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to fill your heart with these promises. You're going to have to fill up your life with these promises, because what happens is our, our lives are kind of like a game of risk. You ever played risk where you're, you're trying to take over the board, you're trying to capture all the countries? No one has ever played that. Never mind. We'll pass that off. Understand that as worry, as busyness, as the chaos and stress of life, as that goes up in life and we have more of that, we have a tendency to take the promises that we remember, the promises that God has provided in our lives, we have a tendency of shoving those down to where we're not remembering as much. But I tell you what, if you will put more focus on them promises, and you'll have more promises in your life, you'll notice that the busyness doesn't seem as big because you have a big promise from God. You'll notice that the stress in your life doesn't seem as big because you have a big promise from God. You don't have to worry about tomorrow because Jesus said, 
I am the beginning and the end. It ends with Jesus. It doesn't end with something that's going to come tomorrow. Man. Praise team, will you guys go ahead and come up here? Fill your heart with promises. There's going to be times where the waves of doubt, where the waves of worry and the busyness and the stress, and it's all going to be hitting hard. Look, it's, the Christian life is not an easy life. Jesus said, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. I dealt with some rough stuff, you're going to deal with some rough stuff. You're going to have to request the direction. You're going to have to remember. And then when you have those two things, when you have the right direction, when you're looking in the right places and you're getting the right stuff from the right people and you're remembering the promises of God, then you can have that third R that is rejoice. And you have that opportunity to rejoice. And we can rejoice this morning because you know what? Whether or not you're going through something good or something bad, if you, you could be dealing with with some rough stuff today. You have some rough stuff ahead of you in the next coming weeks, the next coming months. You know what? Your future is bright if you will hold on to those promises of God. It doesn't matter where I'm going, what matter, or doesn't matter where I've been, it matters where I'm going. That is the more important thing. And I thank God for the people in this church. I thank God for this church. I thank God for the different family members that he has placed in my life. So don't go looking in dead places, but open up your eyes to see that life is here. Hope is here. Acceptance is here. Support is here. Forgiveness is here. Direction is here. Salvation is here. And that is all because God is here. Amen? Let's all stand. And go back to a simple question. Where are you searching this morning? Your point in life, where are you searching? We'll go to the Lord in prayer and then this time at the altar, this is yours, just between you and God. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, guide us, Lord, take us to the right places. Help us remember, keep our minds strong, keep your promises in our heart, Lord. May we fill them, may we fill our heart with your promises daily. Give us direction, Lord. Give us guidance. We so badly need it. In Jesus' name, amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.